Welcome to the PM Power Podcast, where Darren Hunter from Inspired Growth Training interviews some of the world's best property management experts to give you real solutions to the biggest issues property managers struggle with everywhere. For 25 ways to control office interruptions so you can slam through more tasks faster, go to pmpowerkeys.com. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant assisted routine inspections, where your tenants in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections, um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done. Now this is going to help you particularly if you're in lockdown, but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown, um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections. The next step really, go and have a demo, have a look for yourself and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo and check it out. Hi everyone, Darren Hunter here for the PM Power podcast show and I'm with Melanie Paul, who's department head with Daystar First National based in Southwest Sydney. Melanie, thank you for joining us. It's been a while coming, hasn't it? We've been trying to organize this show for a while. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. That's cool. So we are going to be talking about strongly worded emails. And I think our conversations probably got started when you attended the IGT leadership event in Bali. And I could see what, what a gun you were in property management. And, you know, you you probably epitomize what a good property manager is all about, Melanie. Um, you've got all the ingredients there that just, you know, your purpose is property management. Um, and let's just get into strongly worded emails because you're very, very good at that, which is really just displays your control, your level of control that you're able to have in a property management environment, which everyone is essential. In fact, I'm going to be covering a lot of that in my new book coming up, um, Time Management Book, look out for that. Okay, let's get into this. Now, um, there's three parts that, Melanie, we broke down today for um, today's session to get into strongly worded emails and listen out because Melanie will be giving you some examples of strong words that she has used from actual emails that she sent in the past. But um, we're just going to talk about, firstly, um, we're going to be talking about, you know, reasons to send strongly worded emails, what are typical then, then preparing, what are some um, circumstances or preparation that we need to have before a strongly worded email. And then um, Melanie's created a uh, an acronym or a method um, for strongly worded email. Some really good structure and teaching coming up. So if you want to master taking control in property management, where you do need to use strong words from time to time, which we do because it's all about um, taking control and not letting things go to chaos. Um, Melanie, let's get into it. Let's talk about the reasons why, or the two main reasons why we need to send strongly worded emails or really strongly worded communication? Yeah, look, Darren, I think there's there's two key points that come to mind. When we're doing a strongly worded email, we're effectively, we're trying, it's a negotiation tool and we're effectively trying to get that upper hand back where there's maybe a dispute that's breaking it, breaking out. It could be A, that we are responding to an angry client, whether that be a tenant or a landlord, and we have to respond to them. Alternatively, initiating 
the conversation, which is a touchy subject. And that's where we're looking at things, you know, whether that be, you know, rent arrears or routine inspections or a bond claim or possibly even where someone's not meeting their obligations, which I guess in all those scenarios, they're not meeting their obligations. But I guess what's coming more to mind is if a landlord is not meeting their obligations, you might need to send them a strongly worded email too. Okay. And so really it's um, reactory to someone sending you a grenade, uh, being angry at you and responding to that, or simply taking the best foot forward first, being proactive to control a situation, take charge of a situation or something, which we need to do before it, you know, spins out of control and turns into a fire. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, well done. So um, let us just talk about responding to angry clients. Let's just, can, can we just sort of talk about that for a sec? Yeah, well, I think that if you're going to be responding to an angry client, some of the things that we do need to think about is if we're responding, is it going to make the situation better or worse? So, you know, there's no, if so, you're getting threats and are those threats things like tribunal that we expect in this job, um, threats of claiming compensation, threats of doing their own repairs, or are we talking about actual physical threats? responding to an angry client with a strongly worded email when they're starting to talk about physical threats, you don't have to respond to something like that with a strongly worded email. <laughs> okay. There, no, there's definitely, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. No, no, continue. Uh, yeah, so I, I do think it's very, very important that if you are going to be taking this action, read the room. <laughs> I think there's some good practice as well that um, if we are going to be responding, we've got to be careful of our emotions. And if your emotions are heightened, you've got to put that email into drafts as well um, and let it sit because you could, you know, it's amazing how you come back to an email after you've been emotionally charged and you go, oh my goodness, me, I can't believe that I actually said those words or, yeah. or whatever, because our, um, our words really do reflect our emotions and how we're feeling and our intent at the time as well. So absolutely. You know, certainly have to be very careful at what point though when responding to angry clients perhaps should we be picking up the phone instead of um responding by email yeah look i i, I believe that every strongly worded email should be prefaced with a phone call every single time if your deal phone calls are for the conversations and emails are for the confirmations and i know that you've said that before i can't remember who coined that term yeah, julie collins is <laughs> julie uh, collins was it right. uh, and i wholeheartedly agree there is nothing like you know if you want a dispute to break out then write a strongly worded email without a phone call beforehand people are going to take it out of context a lot of the time they're not going to be able to hear the tone of your voice that you're actually there trying to help you're trying to fix a situation if it's just a typing an email, it can come across quite aggressive. If there's been no phone call where they've got to see your personality first, you've got to show that you actually want to help. Strongly worded emails are often a very professional sense, which doesn't have emotion in it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's get into prefacing or preparing to send a strongly worded email. What are some other things that we need to consider? So I guess my first point was make sure there is a phone call first. Um, no matter what the scenario is, whether you're responding to an angry client or you're initiating a difficult conversation, it needs to be started with a phone call. Every strongly worded email needs that phone call step first. Um, after that, I guess you would need to make sure that whatever you're writing, remember this can get referred back to later down the line. Um, whatever you write, 
It might be used in a tribunal one day. It could be used for something else. It might just come back in another argument. Whatever you write can be referred back to. You've got to be really uh, cautious of what the ramifications are of saying, admitting faults or saying that, um, you know, talking about the other party involved, like the landlord or tenant saying something potentially, whether it be derogatory because you're emotionally charged or um, saying something like, oh, yeah, the owner's being difficult. You don't want that in a, an email that can get back to the owner somehow. So be very, very careful about what you're typing and what the ramifications are if it was to be referred back to later down the track. I, I agree because emails are set in stone and your words will either bind you or set you free. And exactly. particularly later when an owner wants to refer back, a good example of this is owners can tend to have a selective memory depending on what the situation is, depending on, um, on, on a number of different things. But one thing that comes to mind is when we confirm uh, a tenancy, we've just spoken to an owner, they've approved a tenant, we can't just put on the file file notes, owner approved. What did they actually prove? And I would actually put in writing to the owner, this is the tenant's name. This is their uh, start date. This is the rent. This is the term. This is the type of pet you've approved. Um, all the bullet points of what's been confirmed. Um, because later I've had owners that, you know, have come back later, um, particularly when I've managed other property managers with, I wasn't told about the dog or I wanted a 12 month lease, not a six month lease. or I thought the rent was this. And that email is going to set you free because mm. they're not going to argue with it. And so you've got to be, you've got to realize that your words are set in concrete and will confirm a situation um, to your benefit or to your detriment. And exactly. therefore it, it, it must be done right. So well done, Mel. Uh, and I guess even in that scenario, you know, we've got to remember the reason we're putting it in writing a lot of the time is so we can refer back to it and we're thinking of it in a positive light. We're not necessarily thinking about those ramifications that it could be used against us in a negative light. So it is making sure that you know sort of both sides of that and being prepared for what may come. Yeah. Um, yeah I guess the next thing I'd point out, which I know we have already touched on, would be not to write an email whilst emotional. <laughs> um, or, you know, when th there is a fine line between assertiveness and aggressiveness. And while we're emotionally charged, those, those lines can definitely be blurred. Uh, so very, very important that if you're typing something while you're emotional, yes, put it in drafts and refer back to it when you're, you know, the next day after you've slept on it. Or if it's time sensitive, get a non-biased party, run their eye over it and make sure you're not coming across too harsh. This is something that I struggle with. I do often come across harsh or condescending. I often, when I know it's a strongly worded email, that I'll get one of my colleagues to read over it to make sure that I soften it where necessary and add a little bit of extra padding in because I feel so passionately about a lot of these topics. So I, I, if it is time sensitive, have someone proofread it. If it's not time sensitive, sleep on it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. You see, you're right. So either getting someone else to read it or coming back to it when you've got fresh eyes and, yeah. and, and a fresh heart as well, because, you know, emotionally we can get charged. The job does do that, you know, particularly, <coughs> excuse me, particularly when we're dealing with difficult owners or something like that as well. So, um, okay, well, let, let's move on. Let, let's, let's now get into 
the uh, the methodology. I like this. When you said, Darren, I have a method. And you've given us the acronym GOLDEN. So we've got six things that we're going to outline. So using the acronym GOLDEN, um, what does G, tell us about G. What does G stand for? So the first step, G, uh, the greeting. And I think this is a really important part. You, you know, you could just say, hey, tenant, how you going? No, we've got to set the tone of the email with, you know, something on the lines of to clear the air, basically. So, you know, dear tenant, I just wanted to clear the air following our phone conversation, or I just wanted to address what we already discussed because I'd like to move forward so we can work together as a team. We want to make sure that we're setting that tone because when you type an email, it doesn't have the tone in it. So you need to feel, you need to be a bit more professional, but friendly and positive so that the rest of it doesn't feel like an attack. Because I think if you're on the receiving end of a strongly worded email, you can feel attacked. So start it nice with a good positive greeting so that that other party isn't attacked because if they're attacked, they're just going to attack you back. Okay, so G is greeting or intro to your email that sets the tone for the rest of it and sets the, yeah. sets the scene. So that, that's, that's a really yeah. good point. Okay. Um, now, I know that you said you've got some example emails, so you throw them in into this acronym as we go along, but the next one is O for outline. Yeah, so obviously outlining the subject matter, assuming you've had that phone call first, it's just reiterating, I guess, every topic that the tenant or landlord or even a trade, I guess, is concerned about. Because if you miss any of the things that they're upset about, it's potentially going to make them angrier. So outlining the things that you've discussed um, and what the purpose of the email is, uh, it's basically the subject of the whole thing. Because I, I just know that when you are talking, when you are having a strongly worded email, if you miss one item that they are concerned about it just can make the dispute even worse because they just think you don't understand me you know you're not listening to me you're not listening to my concerns so outline everything wow okay all right let's get on to alpha list yeah so when we are doing a strongly worded email it's easy to let that emotional uh the all that emotional filler get in and so i think it's really uh beneficial to list the items uh, I'm going to use an example here of, say, a bond claim, because that's often a strongly worded email, and there's often more than one item to discuss. If you don't have it clear and concise, if you have a paragraph for every topic, before you know it, you've written a novel. So clear, concise list form. The other bonus of using a list form for addressing those kind of items is that you can say to the tenant, please respond in line so that they don't write back an emotionally charged email because they're not the ones getting training on how to write a strongly worded email. Um, and if we, if you start to get into the emotion of every single thing on a bond claim, then there's a lot of emotion flying around. So clear, concise list form, asking the tenant to respond in line to that the other, this is a little bit of a... When you say in line, so when they reply, they simply just respond between the lines. Is that correct? So you've got you've got your dot point of, let's just say, dot point cleaning, uh, dot point uh, hole in a wall, dot point door off the hinges. If you ask the tenant to respond to the cleaning section, and then they can just literally type next to the cleaning section, yeah, yeah. and then dot point for the hole in the wall. They write next to the hole in the wall. 
And the other bonus I do is I have to then respond in line back to them. This is a little psychological hack. I actually type it in green so that it looks more like a welcoming, friendly color than if you typed it in red, which can actually then come back and create an argument as well. Okay, green's good. That's that's a very good <laughs> and I'm always one to respond in line myself because the last thing you want is for them to give you a big long novel back. You can't connect the dots. They've missed things, all of that, you know, responding in line and then responding in their lines as well. In green, um, you know, great tip. It helps keep everything a bit more factual as well. Mm, mm, absolutely. Okay. Um, so if you could give, can you give us some examples there with a list? Okay. Well, um, I guess, let me have a think. I mean, other than a bond claim scenario, because that's, I think, the most typical scenario where you're going to have multiple items. Um, but I will refer back to an angry landlord email I had to uh, do a few weeks back. Uh, so the owner was angry. That owner wasn't meeting their obligations. Uh, owner was angry that I kept calling for multiple repairs. And we went through, he wrote me an emotionally charged email that I had to respond to. And that emotionally charged email was paragraphs where he actually missed a lot of the items that actually were outstanding. So I made sure that when I responded, I created it in a point form and I wrote down every repair that we were discussing and I wrote next to it, this has been discussed, thank you. Then I, for the next one, I was like, we haven't addressed this yet, let's talk about it. And I made sure that I point formed it so that nothing, no little detail could possibly get missed. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's important too because sometimes they do want to, deliberately overlook certain things and you bringing it back to their attention again because you can't let that particular issue go yeah i can't um, ignore that item yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they want you to let it go um and they'll breeze over it but yeah you're taking charge there okay let's get into d of golden d um which you've got here is defend tell us about that yeah so if there's a strongly worded discussion happening then a lot of the time we're going to have to defend ourselves, defend our methods, uh, give evidence, explain the legislation that's behind things. Um, we've got to outline. You might need to outline what your procedures in your office are and, you know, how this dispute, I guess, kind of came about. Um, you know, an example, once again, if we go back to a bond claim, because I think a bond claim to me is the most typical strongly worded email, um, you know, a tenant might say, I don't want to pay that outstanding rent. I only had to give two weeks notice. If we're then responding, well, actually, the legislation is that you have to give three weeks notice in New South Wales. Here's a copy of a link. And that's a beauty of uh, emails as well, is that you can actually send links or send attachments to help defend yourself. Um, you know, if it was a bond claim, it might be, here's evidence of your ingoing and outgoing condition report. Here's evidence of some photographs of what it looked like before, what it looked like after you will find that you need to defend yourself in a lot of these kind of scenarios. If someone's questioning your services, if a landlord was angry because, I don't know, maybe something got missed, outlining the procedures that your office uh, run by or what the legislation is so that you can just defend your side of the argument so that they can actually understand your side of the story a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next one you have as E, which is equal. Yes, so this one is, I'm going to say an optional step because there is not always a position where you need to do this. 
But occasionally, the other party will have played a role in this. And if I, I, I have an example for this one particularly, which was with a landlord. Um, a landlord had criticised us of they, they weren't happy with the way that we had left the ingoing conditions report to be done the day before a tenancy started. They thought it should be done the day of. And so I had to, um, I had to, I had planned to do an, actually, I should probably go a little bit more into detail, planned to do an ingoing uh, in on a Thursday because the owner was cleaning a property. It ended up happening on the Friday, but the owner was perplexed on why it didn't take place on the Saturday, the day of the tenancy commencement. I had to defend our procedure on why this is the process. We can't even legally sign a lease agreement in New South Wales unless there is an ingoing condition report that has been conducted with it. So we had to defend our, so we had to, uh, sorry, uh, well, actually what I should be probably saying is that the owner also played a role by saying the property would be ready on Thursday when it wasn't ready on the Thursday, then we delayed it. I had to create the, get the owner to come down to our level. I had to make him feel equal to us. He's saying bad property manager, but the truth is he played a role by not notifying us that he didn't get the property cleaned in time. So I had to bring him back to be my equal so and let him know the role that he played in this dispute as well. Okay, no, some good points there. All righty, last step, next step for N. Yes, so N is for next step. Including a strongly worded email, what's the next step? How does this move forward? We've obviously got a dispute. How do we move forward from that? It might be moving forward, our values do not align. I think you should pick up your management. It might be, I apologise for what's transpired. Our office did make an error. I am going to make this change moving forward and I'm prepared to offer you some level of compensation. Or it could be that, you know, in the, the form of a, say, a bond claim uh, to move forward, what is the next step here? These are the things I'd like to claim from your bond. I'm going to make that claim today. Uh, if you disagree, you have the opportunity to apply to tribunal and that's then finalising that situation and moving forward. So it's what is the next step to resolve the issue and effectively our conclusion. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. And again, these, these letters or emails that we send will be referred back to. Um, and make sure it's not to your detriment. It's going to be to your benefit here and certainly taking charge. I like that next step there because really that's the solution, isn't it? The next yeah, you step. have to move forward. Yeah, and moving forward could be we need to part company or, you know, to the outlining to the tenant. These are the consequences if this list of cleaning or items that need to be amended aren't done by X time, all those sorts of things. And I remember, you know, writing a long list in that regard. Um, and uh, yeah, it uh, brings back a lot of memories, Mel. So thank you. Now, Mel, if people want to reach out to you uh, and chat or anything like that to contact you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, probably through email. So just melanie at daystar.com.au. Uh, and yeah, I could probably send a few templates over. <laughs> so strongly worded emails are you know, a vitally part of the toolkit of a property manager um, and having the right skill set around that because, yeah, we've got to take control. So no, thank you so much, uh, Melanie. Um, and uh, thank you to everyone out there. Just wishing you, of course, the, uh, the very best over Christmas, New Year break that's coming. Um, and uh, again, take care, everyone.
Thanks.